Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Clever Girls Know podcast. My name is Bola Shokumbi. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance, and I am super, super, super excited to share today's episode with you guys. So my guest today is Regan Moya-Jones, and she is the founder of Aiden and Anae, which is a baby product, specifically Muslim um, baby accessories company. And if you are a mom or a mom-to-be or you have ever gifted someone a gift for a baby shower or for a baby, you may have come across um, these products. And I'm excited to have this conversation with Regan because she built a $100 million business without having any industry-specific experience at the beginning stages of building her business. And she basically put in $15,000 of her money along with her co-founder and didn't quit her job until she hit the $1 million mark in revenue at the company. And basically, she started working with a manufacturer to create prototypes for her product, even though she didn't know how to do this, but she figured it out, which she'll talk about on this episode. But she knew that she was onto something after she gave birth to her second child, and the nurses at the hospital had basically run off with her samples. And so... Regan doesn't have a fancy MBA or a fancy education, and so she took more of a grassroots approach to building her business, which meant that she was going door-to-door to boutiques when she had the spare time to generate interest in her Muslim baby products. And in 2013, Prince George, Wills and Kate's baby, <laughs> for those of you into the British monarchy, their baby stepped out. He emerged. He didn't step out. He emerged from the hospital right after he was born in an Aiden and Anae product, which subsequently caused the company's site to crash and escalated the high demand for these products. And so today, Regan is no longer with Aiden and Anae, but she has recently written a book called What It Takes, How I Built a $100 Million Company. And in this book, she talks about what it was like to butt heads with her investors and co-founder, what to do when you're running out of money in your business, how she managed her mommy guilt, and so many other nuggets. And on this episode, we talked about Regan's backstory, how she grew up, what inspired her to write this book, and basically how she went from being a rebellious young woman to becoming the CEO of a $100 million company. Um, She was also very honest and candid about issues that she faced as a woman building a business and the stereotypes that we face as women trying to build big, scalable businesses. Um, She shared her biggest challenges building her business and also her biggest successes. And she also shared some really great tips for women who are going through the motions of building their own businesses. And so this is a really great episode to listen to if you are a business owner or aspiring business owner. And it's also a great episode to share with any women in your life that you think will benefit from listening. And Regan is hilarious and she's also extremely down to earth. So I really enjoyed this conversation and I know that you guys will too. But before we get into the conversation with Regan, I have a couple updates to share. So if you've been following Clever Girl Finance for a while, you know that my book called Clever Girl Finance comes out on June 25th, which is in about a month. And I am so excited for this book to come out. I'm so excited for you guys to be able to read it. And if you haven't gotten a chance to pre-order it, you can do that at Clever Girl Finance com slash book or basically order it um, anywhere that books are sold and you can also request your local library to order a co- copy of this book um, for you to read as well 
And the other really exciting thing about this book is that I got approved to do an audiobook, which I recorded last week. It took over 12 hours, um, over two days, and we were able to get a five plus hour long audiobook of the Clever Girl Finance book. And recording an audiobook is such an experience. Um, I had a great time doing it. And it basically was also a really good learning lesson for me. So I am typically a fast talker, especially when I am excited um, <laughs> or nervous. And I really had to um, pace myself and go slowly and just, you know, pronounce all my words and all of that. So shout out to the studio that supported me recording this book. Shout out to the sound engineers who were reading the book with me as I was reading through it. Um, it was a great experience. And so the book is out on June 25th. If you haven't already pre-ordered, please do share it, gift it, and you can learn more about the book and where you can get it at clevergirlfinance.com book. And it's also available on Audible or anywhere else that you um get your audiobooks to pre-order as well. So thank you guys so much in advance. Okay, the next update I have for you is that the Clever Girls Know podcast, this podcast is finally on Spotify. It only took me forever <laughs> to get it on. And I know that several of you amazing listeners have been asking for this podcast to be on Spotify. So it is on there. It was approved and I'm excited to have another outlet where you guys listen to the podcast. And so if you have been listening to this podcast and you haven't yet subscribed and you like what you're listening to, please do. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, basically anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And you can also listen to episodes and watch videos on the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash finance. And if it's been a while since you stopped by Clever Girl Finance, we are putting out a ton of content on the blog and a ton of courses on the platform. And we recently enabled our one-on-one -on -one coaching feature. So just head over to clevergirlfinance.com and learn more about everything that we have going on. So now let's get into this episode with Regan. Hi, Regan. Welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. Hi, Bola. Lovely to meet you. I am so excited to talk to you about your incredible success and your incredible book. And I can't wait to share you with the Clever Girl Finance audience. So I'd love for you to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. So my name's Reagan. I am the founder of Aiden and Ana, a baby products company. I'm also a, a mom of four girls. And uh, I started Aiden and Ana back in 2006. That was when we first went to market. So um, had been doing that for a while. And I am most currently the author of the very soon to be released uh, book what it takes it's uh, coming out may 7th that's amazing so i have a funny story to tell you reagan and it's so interesting that i actually get to talk to you several years later so i am a mom of um, five-year-old twins and i remember when i was pregnant i had been walking somewhere i don't know in new york city and i saw a woman who had this massive swaddle cloth shawl over her baby carriage and the baby just seemed really comfortable and i asked her what what it was and it was an aiden and an a product 
And so I went and bought it. And um, my son fell in love with this swaddle cloth. Yeah. He was always holding it. He had to hold it into hold it to go to bed when he woke up. And uh, five years later, we're still on the Aiden and Anae struggle. Yeah. I've taken the swaddle cloth and I've cut it into 12 pieces. Oh, wow. He has successfully lost nine of the pieces. I have oh, three wow. more to go. <laughs> that is just, just such a mum story there. Well, look, if it makes you feel any better... Anae, the actual namesake of the company, is uh, going to be 16 this year and she's going to kill me if she hears me saying this, but she still sleeps with her Aiden and Anae muslin. So, you know, your son being five has still got a long way to go. Yes, and we've watched it. We've washed it to death and it's yeah. the softest thing ever. Yeah. It's like his, he loves it. So that's, that's my funny story. But oh, I, I love those stories though. It, it, uh, it still makes me feel so good when I hear, you know, the stories about how the kids are so attached to it and, uh, you know, how helpful the blankets have been you yes. know, to their mums as they, uh, they were growing up. Yes, amazing. So you have this new book coming out, What It Takes, How You Built a $100 Million Business Against All Odds, which is amazing. What inspired you to write this book? Well, in all honesty, I wasn't really inspired to write a book. I was approached <laughs> to write a book. Um, I probably shouldn't say that, but it is the truth. And uh, that's what I'm known for, the truth, despite getting it getting me in trouble a lot of the time. I um, So I was approached to write a book and my initial reaction was I'm not writing a book for two reasons. One, I was still at that point the CEO of Aiden and NA, so I had a pretty full-on day job. And two, because I just didn't really think that I had, you know, that I should be writing a business book. You know, I had no formal business background. I you know, I don't have I don't have MBAs or anything like that. I I was just the kind of entrepreneur that had an idea and sort of went about teaching myself how to to build the business. And my journey was very much one foot in front of the other. And you know, whatever got thrown at me that day, I just worked it out and dealt with it. So, you know, I said uh, I said to the the woman who is now my agent, you know, I, I just don't think I can write a, a business book, you know, to guide people on how to build a business. And she said, but haven't you built a business? And I went, well, yes. And she goes, well, clearly you've done something right. She said, just tell your story. And then I went, okay, well, I can clearly tell my story. And then I thought to myself, you know what, I will write this book if I can show other people that I am incredibly average. There is there is nothing exceptional about me. I don't, you know, I'm never the smartest person in the room, never the most talented, never the most creative. I don't have business degrees. You know, my background was sales before I started Aiden and Danae. And I just thought, well, if I can show other people that someone like me can do it, then hopefully that will motivate other people who are kind of, you know, uh, sitting there going, oh, I'm not sure if I have what it takes to actually start and build a successful business. And, you know, the underlying theme for me was if I can do it, you can do it too sort of thing. So I'm hoping that it's going to motivate other women entrepreneurs 
or entrepreneurs in general to sort of take their own leap if they're if they're sort of debating it at the moment. And I love that because your book is brutally honest. You are super candid, and you are just what I you know. I was reading the book, and I felt like I was just reading a book by one of my girlfriends who was just describing what she did to build a business. But in your instance, you built a hundred million dollar business. <laughs> I love so, that. Though, that you—that is the <laughs> ultimate compliment to me, though that that you you feel that when you're reading the book, because you know I really set out to to write it in in my true voice, just like it would be if you were sitting across a table from me having lunch or on my couch having a glass of wine. You know, I wanted it to to seem very real like that. So that is a an amazing compliment that that you. You said that. Thank you. You're welcome. So I have a lot of questions for you, and I'm sure my audience is dying to know, you know, what it takes to build a $100 million business. And, you know, it's an incredible feat what you've done. And we hear about, you know, $100 million, $50 million, all these million-dollar businesses, but a lot of times they're associated to, um, you know, guys building these businesses. They're not always relatable, um, but you built a business as a mother um, with four children, with a household husband. And so I'd love for you to share the beginnings of your story. How did Aiden and Anae start? Well, it it all started with the idea, right, which is key. So I had an A in 2003, having moved from Australia where I was was born and raised um, in 1997. So I knew muslin from back home in Australia. It was very common back home. Literally, there wasn't a parent who didn't use muslin with their babies. You know, it was very, very common, but a very utilitarian product in that it was primarily sold in, you know, four packs of in cellophane and all white. You know, they were they were a commodity kind of like a nappy or, or a diaper. And when I went looking for them after I was pregnant with an A because, you know, that was one thing that I knew that I had on my list that everyone had said, you know, you can't not have them. And I was just surprised that no one had ever heard of muslin in America. No one knew what I was talking about. It just it just did not exist here. So when I started to use the product with an A, I worked out very quickly that it was probably the most useful product that I had, you know, in the especially the newborn stages with the girls. And so I just thought every Aussie can't have this wrong and if I introduce it to the US market, I'm sure that US parents would respond the same way to it and that was really the sort of the aha moment for me to actually start the business. So, and luckily my hunch was right, obviously it worked out for me, but but to be clear, when I started, I, I had no manufacturing experience. I had no experience building a business. I, you know, I was just a mum who loved a product that didn't exist in America and thought I can do this and, and make it better. So, that was, you know, that was how I sort of started the whole Aiden and Anae journey. That's incredible. And, you know, just going back to something that you said was that when you started this business, and this is specific to all of you ladies who are listening to this, because I get told this all the time, you talked about in your book, you go into detail about how you didn't have any experience with manufacturing, finding fabrics, you know, like 
tailoring, any of that stuff. You just had this idea to build this, to create this company, to provide these products, but you just, you didn't know at the time how you were going to do it. And you, as you went along, figured it out. And I think a lot of women um, don't pursue the amazing ideas they have because they don't know how they're going to do it. But you don't have to know how you're going to do it. You just have to want to do it, right? And that's what you did. A hundred percent. Like, I am not lying when I tell you literally for the first probably five years of Aiden and A, maybe even a little bit longer, everything I did, I came through hard work and Google. Like, I literally (laughs) Googled my way through the first, you know, first five years of Aiden and A, I really didn't know anything. I didn't, you know, I didn't know anything about finance. I didn't know, you know, building a business, manufacturing, sourcing fabric, design. I didn't know anything. I just taught myself as I went along. Fun fun story, I remember calling a major retailer in, in the fairly early stages of Aiden and A, pitching the product to them, and the buyer on the other end of the phone said, you know what, this does sound interesting. Could you please send me over a line sheet? I went, absolutely, I'll get that right over to you. And I hung up from her and I had to Google line sheet because I didn't <laughs> even know what a line sheet was. So, you know, but, but you know, it didn't stop me. I just, you know, what I didn't know, I, I researched and, you know, taught, taught myself really. So... That absolutely should not stop you. Clearly, the fear of the unknown is real, but I am living proof. And one of the reasons why I really wanted to write the book was to prove that you don't need to to know everything to actually start your business. Mm -hmm. So just going back a bit more, um, going back to your background and just trying to understand like what made you this person you are today? What made you to make, what made you this person that wanted to start Aiden and NA? What, what got you to the point where you had the idea? I kind of want to get to know a bit more about you. So in your book, you talk about being a rebellious young woman. <laughs> you talk about, you know, struggles with your mom, your parents separating. You talk about um, going into sales and becoming a superstar salesperson and, you know, transitioning in your career, even though, where you transitioned to required like high priced MBAs and you didn't have any of that. And just given all the different things that you learned, you know, um, while you were a young woman, um, what were the biggest lessons that you feel led you to that point where you felt confident to build a business and brought you to that point where you were confident to be a hundred million dollar company CEO and have brought you to this point where you have now written this incredible book that is going to be a resource to millions of other women. I think, you know, I I went through a lot of life before I got to the point that I, you know, sort of, um, I guess for want of a word, better word, grew up and went, okay, you know, I need to sort of start to now focus a little bit on what I'm going to do for the rest of my life because I really did, um, you know, partying was my primary career for many years <laughs> in my life. So um, still a big part of my life now, by the way, but, you know, it, it's balanced with actually um, having a career and being a grown-up. So, you know, I the, the life experiences were were very much what led me to, to becoming the person I am, to being 
confident enough to you know, to actually take the leap and and despite not knowing what I was doing, feel confident in myself that I could do it. And I think that, you know, the, to, to try and sum that up, I would say that ultimately it's up to you to define yourself, right? Like in my corporate career, even when I started, because I am you know, by nature, a bit rebellious, and and I'm um, I'm very honest and very direct, and and you know, I hierarchy has never meant very much to me. I just think all people should be treated equally. It doesn't matter if you're the CEO or the cleaning lady that comes in to clean my office. You're a human, so I treat everybody equally. You know, and um, so you know the the. the big bosses that I used to work for in the corporate world were never actually happy when I would question their decision or or make a comment about why I didn't think it was the right way to go. People couldn't understand that this young girl who, who on paper doesn't have any credentials dare, you know, question their authority or strategy or whatever it might be. So, and you know, I was I was very much pigeonholed in the corporate world as, you know, well, she's very good at sales, you know, and they couldn't deny that because I used to make every company I worked for truckloads of money. Um, <laughs> and but whenever I wanted to to progress and move forward, I was I was always held back. I was always told, no, no, you know, you don't have the degree. We don't think that's for you you should stay where you are, you know. So I, um, but I never took that on. You know, I always used to, I, it used to piss me off, but I used to think to myself, well, they just clearly can't see what I know inherently in myself I'm capable of. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, and so I think getting knocked down is inevitable to all of us at some point in our life and career, but you know, what's really important is getting back up. And I had a lot of that, um, you know, in my corporate career. And um, and I think ultimately that's what gave me the strength and, you know, tenacity to sort of go out and do something on my own and be successful at it because I can honestly say my biggest motivation for starting and building Aiden and A was about me first and foremost proving to myself that what I always kind of felt was right, that I could do it. And then secondly, it was a big, you know, up you to all the people throughout my career who had told me, well, that's all cute that you want to move up, but stay where you are because that's where we think that you belong. So I wanted to prove to them too that I was capable of doing it. That's amazing. And and that kind of leads into the next question I had, which was basically around, um, you know, in your book, there is uh, almost a whole chapter where you're very candid about all the issues that women face and the stereotypes that are placed upon us about, you know, our ability or inability <laughs> to build successful businesses, to raise children and do all these different things all at the same time. It's the stereotypes about businesses in the female space um, not being successful or not being good enough. And um, you did talk about an experience in the book about a tech conference you had, you know, a reporter had gone to and she had come away from it and written a tweet to women 
to stop making startups about fashion, shopping, and babies, at least for the next few years. You're embarrassing me. That's what her tweet said. Oh, no. <laughs> and so- horrible. And you know what? That That is made all the more horrible by the fact that a woman wrote, a a woman woman wrote, that. wrote that. That's what kills me. It's like, you know, we should be lifting each other up, not knocking each other down, you know. If, if women can't sort of get behind women, then what chance have we got to try and change the, the way it works with, you know, the men that we're in business with and, and work with? Yeah, that, that, um, that's why I put that as an example in the book because it was just, it's mind-blowing that stuff like that happens. And so while you were building your business, were there any specific experiences that happened to you that made you want to change this narrative because you included it in your book as a, you know, you're writing it as a passion piece. Um, was there a personal thing that happened that made you feel like, wait a minute, this is nonsense. I'm going to talk about it. I want to change this narrative. Well, absolutely. There, there was, there was endless things that have happened to me throughout my career and while building Aiden and A that were both overt discrimination because I'm a woman and subtle, you know, that you don't, you're not even really aware that it's happening until you sort of look back on it. Um, So I would say, you know, just the experience of living my life as a woman is what made me passionate about, you know, being very open and vocal about, you know, what we are truly up against. And to be clear, you know, the, these are not, you know, I could have, I could have written a whole book on <laughs> personal experiences of, you know, me in the workplace and, you know, situations where I do feel like I was discriminated against as, you know, for being a woman. But, you know, that's just going to sound like, you know, I'm a, a bitter old cow that, you know, just hates <laughs> men, which could not be further from the truth. You know, I was very cognizant of not coming across like an angry, you know, bra-burning bitch, which is what, unfortunately, women who speak out about these things are often labelled as. Yeah. Which is why I think women don't do it more often. But, But the things I put in the book, you know, they weren't my experiences. They were other people's experiences. And I brought it all together to try and highlight that it's it's real you know we ha- we absolutely are up against it as women you know and have to work that much harder still in business and and as entrepreneurs starting businesses to be successful you know and and i really did not want to come across as this angry woman i just wanted to to put it out there and and be like look you can't you you can't deny this it's it's real and unless we're all prepared to start speaking up about it then you know I I just don't see how we are going to change the narrative and I completely agree with you I've faced this experience I, I wrote a blog post about it recently on my personal blog um, where it was something called the blog was titled things that I've been told as a female founder that they would never be told to a, a, a man and I've been told the most ridiculous things like, you know, pitching to investors or pitching to, you know, different people. And I'd be, I will get asked things like, well, what does your husband think about what you're doing? Or um, Clever Girl Finance is, you know, finance platform for women. I've been told women, does, 
women don't care about their money. Why do you think, you know, this is a business idea? So all kinds of nonsensical things. And I feel like if we don't, and a lot of those, a lot of that feedback has been given to me from other women, which is so disturbing. I know, right? (laughs) That's the the worst part, the worst part, you know? And again, I think we need to be honest about that. You know, it's, um, you know, it's horrible when other women knock other women down and and doubt you. It's, it's, in my opinion, way worse than when the men do it. Yes, yes. So I, I definitely agree with you. We need to put our voice to it. We need to make it known. And we also need to prove that stupid narrative wrong. <laughs> exactly. And that it's it's very real. And I think the difference is now, you know, you know, in 2019, more women are willing to to sort of question the the behavior, the treatment. The narrative, you know, because I know myself, you know, for years and years, I kind of just went, oh well, you know, that's just the way it is, just yeah, normal. just normal, yeah, yeah. I didn't challenge it. I just went, oh, that's that's just the way it is, you know. Whereas I feel we owe it to ourselves to to now bring it to the to the fore. So, Rayan, I have a lot to learn from you. You are definitely very inspiring. Um, I've been reading your book very carefully. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I just wanted you to talk about, as you were building ADNNA, what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced um, and how did you overcome them? And you can just say a couple, um, but I, you know, just for the interest of the folks who are, who are, um, listening and haven't yet gone out to pick up, pick up the book yet. I'd love for you to share that. Sure. So, you know, the, the first one that pops to mind is, you know, the the lack of access to capital in the early stages, you know, which is, I think, a little tougher for women, but I would say that is, you know, a pretty universal thing for most entrepreneurs starting out. So the fact that we also started Aiden and A during the worst, depression, uh, the worst recession since the Great Depression also didn't help. But um, but most definitely, you know, finding the money to keep the business going in the in the early stages was was really tough. Um, and how I overcame that is I just begged and pleaded anybody I knew that could write me a check for ten percent interest, and I just kept the lights on that way for as long as I could till I got to the stage where. I could go out and look for more traditional means of capital investment with VCs Mm -hmm. and private equity and things like that. So I'd say, you know, that was, that was uh, definitely a challenge. Then, you know, again, on a, on a purely business level, it was for us, the shift in the retail landscape when, um, you know, because when I started Aiden and A, it was very much still sort of the traditional brick and mortar retail model that that was sort of what was driving things. And then when Amazon came in and effectively took over the world, <laughs> changed everything. And I know, right? <laughs> yeah, and threw a huge spanner in the works. So, so the shift in the retail landscape was also a huge challenge. Um, and one that, quite honestly, I didn't I didn't react to quickly enough. And you know, it um, it is definitely one of the mistakes that I made in Aiden and A. Um, and then I guess the other thing which 
I would go as far as to say is probably the most important um, and the biggest challenge I had was finding great people mm. because I saw firsthand when you put the right people in the chair, your business just thrives and flourishes because, you know, you, you've got the right people. And then I've also seen on the flip side of that when you put the wrong person in the chair, it can literally bring your business to its knees. Very so true. Finding great people is is a challenge, and um, but but I a hundred percent believe that people are everything in a business. You can have the greatest product, the greatest strategy, the greatest processes, the greatest marketing, and if you don't have the the right people to execute on all that, then it's all for naught, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. Those are all very, um, very great lessons. And for those of you listening, Regan goes into detail on a lot of these in her book. So definitely check it out. And we'll share how to, you know, um, more detail about that later. And so what would you say were some of your biggest successes? The fun stuff. Right. <laughs> I, I, successes. Okay. I, I think what I'm most proud of that that actually does translate to a success was the culture that we built in the early days of Aiden and A, which became the foundation of the company and, in my opinion, directly contributed to the exponential growth and success of the business in those, in those early years. You know, it, um, I didn't set out to build a, a an amazing culture i i went into the business you know with a a preconceived idea of what i wanted the business environment to look like and i had taken all the things i hated about corporate the, my corporate career from the companies i'd worked in and sort of said i i'm going to make an effort to never let that permeate into our business um so I guess in a way I was thinking about culture, but at the time I didn't define it as that. But I would say that, you know, the fact that we built such a inclusive, collaborative, team-like, fun culture was absolutely directly attributable to, you know, the huge success of Aiden and NA because we just had great people who were passionate and would literally work their ass off for such a small amount of money in comparison to the time and energy that they were putting in. And it, it always blew me away that obviously I was passionate about Aiden and Anae. You know, it has my daughter's name on the door. So, you know, that was a no-brainer that I was prepared to work as hard as I needed to to be successful but what blew me away is that I was able to surround myself with a whole bunch of other people that were equally as passionate as I was about what we were trying to do and, and the business as a whole. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. People are, you know, I've learned that having the right people on your team can make or break your business. It doesn't matter how amazing your idea is. It doesn't matter how amazing your product is. If you can't have the right people supporting the delivery and, you know, 
building a great culture, it's going to be a struggle. And I've I've struggled with, you know, not always having the right people. So great advice. (laughs) And look, and it's, it's bloody hard work to find great people. Yeah, it is hard. It's like, you you get to the point where you're like, oh gosh, will that do? But my advice is no, don't ever just settle. You know, like keep fighting to find the right people because, you know, later on with Aiden and A as, as, uh, you know, investors came in and and basically took control of the business, they would bring people in that were just not right on, on any level, but, you know, they had the controlling interest in my business and that it was, you know, it was like cancer and, um, and you just, you can't come back from that you know, once you start letting the wrong people in and it just, it, it destroys cultures. That's what it does. So Regan, what would you say for someone who's listening to this and it's kind of like in the early stages that you were, you know, of figuring out a company, putting their idea together, trying to figure out how to make it all work. What would be your number one tip, number one business tip for a woman who is in the space that you were in the first five years of Aiden and Anae? Hmm. Okay. There's so many, you know. <laughs> but look, well, I, you can share more than one. Okay. Well, if I, okay. I guess, you know, what I would say is to be your authentic feminine self and own it. Like, you know, we get told a lot as women that we need to be more like men to be successful. I, you know, I could not disagree with that more. You know, I... As a leader, I brought my very female self to the table every day, which meant, you know, I used to cry in meetings, I hugged my employees, I, you know, I I had my moments where I let everybody see my emotions and if I was upset or frustrated or whatever it might be. And I just think that, you know, and I know authentic, you know, authenticity and being authentic is it's become almost an overused word in business now, but it's it's very real, you know. It's um, and I think when you can turn up every day being true to you, then that's when you're able to give the best of you, right? If you're trying to be somebody you're not, that that's tiring. That takes energy and effort. So despite you know the naysayers and everything, I would say the most important thing when you start and and begin to lead a team of people in a business is just be truly yourself, you know. And and remember everybody's human, you know, like I think humility is a big deal. Uh, I think, you know, listening to other people's opinions is extremely important in business and, you know, and I'm, I mean everybody's. It didn't matter at Aiden and A whether or not you were the CFO or, you know, the, the front desk person. Your, your voice was equal at Aiden and A because, you know, everybody mattered there equally. And, um, and then the other thing I would say is, be decisive. You know, I know that one of the things the team liked most about me was that I would always make a decision. 
I didn't always make the right decision and I always owned it when I didn't. But I think being decisive in business is extremely important and not not done often enough. And in that same vein, what is the number one money tip, financial tip for a woman in business that you would give? Well, for someone like me who failed the lowest level math at school, <laughs> I would say hire a really good CFO, which, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, math is not my strong suit. You know, I struggle to do my 12-year-old's math homework at this point in time. Um, but, you know, I had a very, being in sales, you know, I could always, I could always calculate percentages in my head and things like that. So it was a different kind of math school that I had. But... But, you know, very important. It was a game changer for me when I brought in a fabulous strategic CFO that could, you know, could sit with me and as I was building out strategy, you know, could could handle the numbers side of that. So definitely, you know, if you're not, you know, a finance person, I think that's extremely important to make sure that, that whoever you whoever you bring in is is very solid. And then I guess the other thing I would say, like on a personal level is, you know, don't undervalue yourself or your services. You know, I think women struggle with asking for what they're worth in both, you know, asking for salaries and also in terms of what they charge people for what they do. Um, so I would say the other thing would, you know, just just be sure not to undervalue yourself. Very true. And what advice would you give your younger self, knowing what you know now? And what are you teaching your daughters about life, success, and money? Because you have four amazing girls now. Yes, feisty girls too. <laughs> uh, it doesn't make parenting them easy, but it it makes me feel good as their mum because I know that when they head off into the world, they're going to be just fine. Um, I guess what I would tell my younger self, I guess I'd probably say don't worry so much. You know, despite the fact that I was a bit wayward, let's just say, um, in my younger years, I did spend a lot of time worrying about, you know, what I was going to do, am I heading in the right direction, that kind of thing, you know, because everything I did, including getting drunk on tropical islands for (laughs) too long, um, which is all in the book, I, um, you know, that's what ultimately shaped me to be the person that I am that has been able to go on and do what I did, you know. So I would say don't worry, that would probably be, you know, what I would tell my younger self. And as far as the girls go, you know, I know this sounds cliche, but it's very much a a sort of a a lead by example or, you know, nurture by example. I just try to show the girls that if you want something badly enough and you're prepared to work for it, you know, you can do it. I I do say to the girls often, because I think it's something they need to hear, is, you know, anything you believe, anything you want, you can make that happen. 
you know, you just have to want it badly enough. And I really do believe that. I'm a huge, huge um, believer in manifestation. You know, I'm, I'm all about you put the, the positive energy out, you're going to be getting that back and vice versa when you're in a negative place, you know, it all comes at you. Um, so, you know, I just I just try and teach the girls the value of of hard work and I'll, I'll never forget my dad when I was growing up, I, I never forget, he used to say to me, Reagan, the only thing you start at the top of is digging a hole. And, <laughs> And here I am in my 50s and I still remember that, like he's standing next to me now saying it, you know, but <laughs> it was really good advice because whenever I, you know, would have my moments of, you know, not feeling like I was, you know, far enough along, I would remember that and, you know, and just realise that you you got to work really hard to get to where you ultimately want to be. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about that now. You, the only place you start at the top of is digging a hole. Yeah. <laughs> you right. got to start at the bottom. Everybody starts at the bottom. I know, right? And the other thing he used to say to me as well, which also like, you know, I, I went back to as I was building Aiden and Ana, was he used to always say, you know what, Rage, feel the fear and do it anyway. And, you know, it was it was a good life lesson and, and I just I particularly remember those two two mantras of my dad's and and they did come into play on multiple occasions as I was building my business. That's amazing. So Regan, what are you up to now? Well, I am very excited to say that I have started a new business. Um, because for your listeners, I was actually fired from my own business that I started from scratch by my investors in March of last year. So not going to lie and say that I wasn't put in a pretty big hole for most of last year because I'd lived and breathed that business for 12 years and to have it sort of taken away from you uh, was a, you know, pretty jarring experience. But to go back to what I said earlier, you know, I uh, was very much knocked down but decided I wasn't staying down. So I have now co-founded another business with my old COO, David, who worked with me at Aiden and NA for, you know, nine years or something. And um, it's called St. Luna Spirits and it's a, a premium moonshine which uh, could not be further apart from baby blankets, right? But for, <laughs> but for any working mother, the the you know the baby to booze transition makes complete sense, right? <laughs> so I'm I'm still doing my bit for all the mums out there. But uh, yeah, we have uh, we've only been on the market for a few weeks, but so far so good. We've already been our our goal was actually the the. You know, it's not that big of a departure to tell you the truth from Aiden and A because just like Aiden and A, where I saw an opportunity within a market segment, and in fairness with Aiden and A, I was creating a whole new market segment with muslin, which is now very much ingrained in American culture. You know, everyone uses muslin now, and 12 years ago, no one had ever heard of it. It's yeah. the same with uh, with the moonshine. You know, it's a it's a it's still a very small niche category within the liquor market 
and no one has really sort of disrupted that category in the sense of we set about creating a super premium moonshine that, you know, was good enough to just sip over ice, you know, that you didn't have to flavour to get down and, and our goal was to introduce moonshine to a whole new uh, audience of people and have it stopped in five-star hotels and restaurants and bars and and we're we're very excited because we've already won a couple of medals at world spirit competitions and and we're in five-star bars and restaurants Jean Georges in New York City and employees only which is a very famous cocktail bar here so so far out of the gate, it's uh, it's going to plan, but we are very much at the bottom of the mountain with a whole uh, whole hell of a way to climb. But it's really fun to be back in the trenches building something, creating something and, you know, ideally building something from scratch to another $100 million business. That's incredible. Congratulations on your new launch. Thank you. So my last question for you, Regan, well, my second to last question is, what is your clever girl superpower? My clever girl superpower? Oh, <laughs> making champagne disappear quickly. <laughs> that, that would be my superpower. And I'm often reluctant to tell people that I drink too much champagne, like that is my drink, and I probably shouldn't say that now as an owner of a moonshine company, but... <laughs> It's, uh, you know, champagne is my, is my go-to and, you know, I, uh, I'm not going to go to my grave with that. I think it was, was it Mae West who said, you know, don't go to your grave wishing that you drunk more champagne? <laughs> I'm definitely not that girl. <laughs> Listen, Regan, when I build a $100 million business, I will be drinking champagne every day for breakfast. So <laughs> don't even feel... <laughs> Any kind of way about that. You deserve it. But you know what, Bola? I, I have been drinking champagne since I was a poor girl. Like, you know, <laughs> this is, it didn't, didn't happen when I made a bit of money. Like, I've, I've been drinking champagne for, I don't know how I acquired my champagne taste, but <laughs> I always found a way to be able to drink it. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so, Regan, how can folks stay in touch with you, learn more about you, your new business, and, and more importantly, pick up your new book that's coming out on May 7th? They could go to, to my website, which is just reganmoyerjones.com. And um, for anybody who's interested in, in trying the, the St. Luna Moonshine, it's just stlunaspirits.com. And I'll put all of this in the show notes. Um, for all of you who are listening to go check it out and be sure to pick up Regan's book. I'm almost done reading it. It's an incredible read. It's very inspiring, especially if you're in the early stages of your business and you're just like, oh my God, how do I figure this out? You will be motivated. And um, I really appreciate your time. I know this is a busy week for you in advance of your book launch and starting a new business, but thank you so much, Regan. It's my pleasure. And thank you so much for the support. It, it means a lot. 
So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It was such a great episode for me. I learned so much. I enjoyed talking to Regan and I hope you guys did too. And if you found it useful, please share the episode with the other women in your life that you think will benefit from this episode. And also, if you haven't already subscribed, please don't forget to subscribe and head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review of the podcast if you love what you're listening to so that other amazing women just like you can find it as well. Thank you guys so much and I'll be back with a brand new episode very soon.